Hey, it's Pastor Steve here. Hope you have had a great week. Thank you everyone for the support for listening to our podcast starting last week. We're excited about this week's podcast because we got the right equipment and the levels sound a lot better. Uh, It should be a lot easier to hear this week. We did have a little bit of back and forth in the the sermon. Uh, We do that quite often. Some of that uh, I did have to cut out a little bit because you just couldn't hear it. Uh, Folks from the audience talking, responding to some of the things that I said. And uh, I love when that happens. Um, Just we don't always, it didn't get picked up by the microphones well today. So I did cut a little bit of that out. I do want to go ahead and say a big thanks to uh, Miss Amy Ashley for her volunteering to read our scripture today. Uh, As you'll be able to tell, and as I say uh, in the audio, my... (laughs) My sinuses are just like clamped shut today. Uh, no, it's, it's just one of those things that I'm just kind of hard to talk. And uh, so she was gracious to volunteer to read, and I gave her the microphone. And so, anyways, um, I hope you got. I hope that uh, that that you um, get a good get something out of this message today uh, about being merciful, about loving our enemies, and uh, it's something that is impossible really to do without Christ to do well. So uh, thank you guys so much for tuning in. Please feel free to share, reach out to us. uh, If you have any questions, comments, any prayer needs that we can help with as a church, hopechurchrc at gmail.com, hopechurchrc.org. Thanks. Uh, This morning we're going to be in the book of Luke chapter 6. Starting in verse, um, starting in verse twenty six, twenty seven. Sorry, starting in verse twenty seven. Luke chapter six, verse twenty seven, and we reading and looking through uh, verse thirty eight or so. Uh, there was a boy one time. He was a young man. He was annoying. All right, nobody knows any, any young boys who are annoying. I think, I think young men, young boys. Uh, in my in my uh, experience, anyways, around the ages of four to well, so far eight, uh, they are very dramatic. Okay, uh, every little thing is an inconvenience; it's the end of the world, and and they're just you just have to have to pray for patience and love. And not strength, because you don't want to hurt them, okay? <laughs> so, uh, that's true, that's true. In our experience, the Lord will give you uh, opportunities to develop patience. And uh, if you don't already have it, that's tough. Oh, so anyways, though, a, long time ago, a long time ago, there was this boy who was annoying, a little narcissistic, all right? He thought a lot of himself, uh, and he was the favorite, Okay? He was the favorite child. Everyone knew it. Uh, one day, his brothers, he had a big family, they got tired of him. And they did this thing that was very radical, would be very illegal today. Uh, they sold him into slavery, all right? They faked his death to the rest of the family. And after many years, many hardships and trials, the boy grew. And he actually came into a position of great power and influence in the land that he was in. And part of his power and influence came from his economic plan that he developed to save 
his country, and not only his country, his kingdom, but the region from an uh, pending economic collapse. Okay? And in doing so, he aided, not, like I said, not only his country, in, but he also aided the regions around. And one day, as he was overseeing his program, distributing economic aid to the poor, his own family approached the give-out center, the, the distribution center, and they didn't know it was him. It had probably been 30 years, maybe more. And he looked differently, dressed differently than they had dressed, dressed differently than was his original culture because he was in a different culture. So they didn't recognize him. And he could have chosen that day to repay them for the evil that they had done to him, to deny them services, to turn them away. But instead, he gave them what they needed. And that included his own forgiveness, right? He realized that God may very well have helped. He realized that God was involved, not that he caused the evil, but that he was involved even in the midst of the evil to make things work out for his good, okay, for his glory. And he uh, helped to bring about this very moment where the ones who had done the evil stood in need of the one, of the forgiveness of the one that they had done it to. So that we could see and have a picture of what God's love looks like. If you haven't caught on by now, you should go back into the book of Genesis and read the story of Joseph sometime, okay? It's very wild with all kinds of twists and turns, accusations of wrongdoing, intrigue, uh, but especially forgiveness and mercy. And that's the type of forgiveness and mercy that we have been shown by Christ because of his great love, because of his great mercy we who have perpetrated all sorts of evil against him and against our brothers and our sisters, our fellow human beings, stand in great need of his forgiveness. And he always does. Right? He, always, um, he always recognizes repentance and he always forgives. Right? So he is asking us today in our passage to demonstrate his love for others by our love for them. And it's something that we can't do on our own. I don't have it within me to love you like Jesus does. But thankfully, he wants to work through me to help me to do this, right? Like I said, we're going to be in Luke chapter 4, starting in verse 27. And I'm going to read through it. And then we'll kind of break it down a little bit verse by verse and then have a little bit of a challenge at the end like we, like we typically do. Know what I say? I said four. Chapter six. Sorry. You're right. Huh? That would be amazing. Do you want to read that? Uh, 27 through 38. Hang on. Can I get you doing the microphone because we're recording it for a podcast and I just want to make sure that we, that we pick up everything. But I say to you who hear, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who mistreat you. 
If anyone hits you on the cheek, offer the other also. And if anyone takes away your coat, don't hold back your shirt either. Give to everyone who asks you, and from someone who takes your things, don't ask for them back. Just as you want others to do for you, do the same for them. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. If you do what is good to those who are good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. And if you lend to those from whom you expect to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners to be repaid in full. But love your enemies, do what is good, and lend, expecting nothing in return. Then your reward will be great, and you will be children of the Most High, for he is gracious to the ungrateful and evil. Be merciful, just as your Father also is merciful. Do not judge, and you will not be judged. Do not condemn, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you a good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. Thank you so much, Amy. She's got a great teacher voice. I love that. Oh, goodness. So, starting in verse 27, he starts off with a command that is countercultural. He leads off with the word, but, but I say to you, rather than what everyone else says, to love your enemies. And in all of human history, that is countercultural. okay? Uh, we want to hate our enemies. We tend to. We want the worst for them. After all, they are our enemies, right? They have wronged us. And our sense of justice requires that they be, be visited with the same evil or more that they have done to us. Christ, however, says, among us believers, this is not how it should be. He says, love your enemies. Not only love them, show them your love by doing what is good for them. Bless them and pray for them. And in verse 26 that we finished last week, we didn't cover it this week, but I kind of want to go back and just see where were we up to this point. He says, woe when people speak well of you, right? When you are doing all of the things that society expects in order to seek their praise, in order to seek what that they think well of you, right? And I don't know about you, but this speaks to me because I am a people pleaser, Right, I was even talking to my mom the other day, and I said, Mom, I don't understand. Sometimes it feels like my kids just don't want to do the right thing sometimes it feels like. And I know they're kids, and they got a lot of growing to do. And she said, when I was a kid, like, I would tell on myself, right, Mom, I did something wrong. I'm sorry, because I, I just wanted her to be happy, right? And I want everybody to be happy. I want, yeah, I want her to be proud of me, Right? And, and, and even today, I want people to be happy, right? I want people to, to, when they think of Steve, to think, he's a great guy. I like him, right? Not because, I don't know, it probably is narcissistic in a way, but I just want to be in, at peace with all people, right? But if that's all I'm seeking, Jesus is like, whoa, just be careful, all right? And what he's saying today is to love your enemies, 
And even in today's society, our culture does not like this. We want to drag people through the mud uh, on the internet, in our personal lives, whenever they do or say something that goes that, that even harms us personally or even just we're in disagreement with at, a, at just a distant level, right? Oh, you voted for someone differently than I? You're a horrible person, right? And, and we, we take things to the extreme. And Jesus is saying, don't do that, right? We want justice and revenge for what's been done. And certainly, justice is important, right? Uh, in the judicial system, we want folks who perpetrate crimes to pay for what they've done, right? It's part of a polite society. It's part of a, of a good society. But we in our personal lives take it too far at times. We have an overdeveloped sense of justice. And we think that people should pay for more than what they have done to us. So Christ says, mercy is the better way. Mercy, forgiving that wrong that has been done to you, withholding your justice from them. Your enemy, whoever that might be, it might be a boss, it might be a coworker, it might be a family member, maybe just some random stranger on the internet that you've gotten to a back and forth with. Everyone, those folks are still a creation of God that he loves dearly. He wants to show them his love. It's hard for them to maybe feel worthy of that love or be able to receive that love when we are saying how horrible they are because we have a disagreement about something, right? And as we are trying to receive God's love ourselves as believers, he is trying to help us to, to receive it because he, we're not able to, and he wants us to show that love that we are receiving as a conduit out into our community, right, into our families, even on the internet as we're having these uh, arguments and disagreements. So Jesus says, pray for your enemies. Do good for those who have hurt you. It's very difficult to hold a grudge or be unkind to people that you are asking God to bless. It's hard to, to want the worst for someone when you're asking God for the best for them right? In doing so, it helps us to see them, to be real and see them as the person they truly are, one that's created and in need of forgiveness and mercy just as much as we are. Prayer is often more about changing our perspective, or at least it has that effect, than it is about God, asking God to fix something, right? We often do. We ask God, intervene in this situation, heal, help, bless, and in doing so, our own perspective is changed. And in verses 29 through 31, he gives some examples of this countercultural love in action. He says to turn the other cheek, not necessarily to let them hit you again, right? Someone slaps you on, on the cheek, turn the other cheek, not so that they can hit you there too. Christ is not asking us to be victims and to stay in broken relationships where we are victims of abuse so that we can show his love. No, he's not asking us to get beat up. Rather, it's a forgiveness. I'm not going to strike back at you. I'm going to walk away and pray for you and ask God to forgive you. Because love is risky. 
And there's, there's an inherent chance for hurt and harm in turning the other cheek. You're being vulnerable. I, I had a, I don't want to call it an argument because I wasn't mad. Uh, a spirited discussion on Facebook recently. It's very short, very quick. And, uh, and, and someone had posted something, I commented on it. And then some other person replied to my comment. And I just replied to theirs, said, yeah, I see what you're saying, but here's, you know, just kind of explaining my point a little bit more, I felt like. And then they replied again, felt a little more hostile, and I decided just to let it go, right? Now, it's blown over since then. It's really not a big deal. But my plan was to just, you know what? I can't respond to that in a positive way, so I'm just going to let it stand for what it is. And part of me was like, but people are going to think that you lost or you gave up. So what? I, have, like, I, can't, I can't push that issue. Let them think that I lost. Maybe I did lose. I don't know. I'm, I'm totally okay with being wrong. And in the Bible, we see, one, we see lots of great examples. But one great example that I was reminded of this week is uh, in the story of David and Saul. Okay? Now, Saul was a king. David was the next king. And Saul hated him. Saul hated David because the people loved him, right? In fact, they would sing songs. Saul has killed his thousands and David his tens of thousands. And that burned Saul up. He couldn't stand him. So one day, or not one day, he started chasing David in order to seemingly expel him or get rid of him. And David was running. And one day they cornered him kind of and he was hiding in a cave. Him and his people, David and his people were hiding in a cave and Saul happened to come upon the cave, and like people do, he needed to relieve himself, okay? And so he, oh, here's a cave. I guess that's what they did back then. Maybe there were caves for pooping, I don't know, um, like, you know, porta potties or whatever. He went into the, the cave to relieve himself, right? In the same cave where David was, and David uh, and his men thought, here's your chance. He's vulnerable, Take care of him. Stop running. And David went and he approached and he couldn't bring himself to kill him because he realized that Saul was still chosen by God. God still loved Saul. And who was he to do this great harm? And so rather than kill him, he cut a little piece of his, of his robe off, right, kind of the corner of it. And Saul finished what he had to do. He left the cave. And I'm assuming as he got a far enough distance out where he was out of range of, of, you know, of David being in fear for his life, David came out of the cave bowing down, crying out to Saul, saying, hey, I could have ended this right here, but I didn't. I chose mercy because God has shown me mercy. And as you look at David's life, you know that he had received mercy. He's called a man after God's own heart, and yet he did some very terrible things as a king. And God still loved him. God still showed him mercy. So in the same way, we should show others mercy. Then Jesus says to give generously. He says, not only give them your coat, but give them your shirt, right? Some translations say your cloak and then your tunic, right? Meaning like, uh, if I've got a coat this morning, Sitting over there on guitar case, if you need one, go get it. And if you need my shirt, well, let me go home and get another shirt because nobody wants to see me without a shirt on, okay? But I will give this one to you. Just give me a second to, <laughs> to get another one. 
And we even have a phrase that we say about a good person, fill in the blank. He would give you the shirt off of his back, right? In the same way, give generously. Not in a way that necessarily jeopardizes your family. I don't believe God is calling us to give everything we own to a televangelist so that that televangelist can then have multiple properties and private jets. However, if you know of a ministry and you feel compelled to give, maybe a little bit more than you're comfortable to give, do that, right? I feel like God will bless you. Really consider giving more than you are comfortable with. Not, not everything, right? I don't believe that's right. But it's not just about money. Anything that we give of, be generous with it. Generous with our time, with our tools. Oh, that's a hard one for me. I like my tools, right? I've spent money on my tools. I like to kind of take care of my tools. And not a lot of people do. And that's, that was tough. My stuff, my resources, my experience, my skills, my attention. We should be generous with it all because God has been generous to us. Right? He has cultivated those things within us. There's very specific things because we're maybe a little bit ADHD and we really deep dive into something very specific and we know a lot about one specific subject that's very like, you're like, why do you know a lot about this subject? I don't know. It just interests me and I do. Be generous with that sort of stuff, right? God has helped you to cultivate those skills and those interests and that knowledge. Then verse 31, just as you want others to do for you, do the same for them. We have another term for this saying. What do we call it? The golden what? The golden rule. I remember in first grade, Miss Joyce Sperlin had this on her wall. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. And we may view this, I have, with a critical lens or judge how far we want to follow this. Do unto others as I would have them do unto you, but they're not going to do unto me the way that I want them to do unto me, so I'm not going to do unto them, right? I'm not going to treat them fairly because there's no way they would treat me fairly. I've done that. That's not right. Well, what Jesus is saying here is more than that. This is more than just a quid pro quo relationship. Jesus is not saying, well, if you're good to them, they'll be good to you. I mean, that kind of hopefully works out. But what Jesus is saying here is no matter how they are to you, even when they're ugly to you, even when they hurt you, do good to them because that's what I would do for them. Do good for everyone whether or not they're likely to do the same for you. Don't worry about the results. You can only control yourself. As far as you're able to, do good, right? And then verse 32 and 34, I'm not going to read through all those. He basically gives a summary that says, after all, if you only do good to those who do good to you, how is that any different than everybody else? I'm here to teach you a different way, a better way, one that your creator, my father, has intended from the beginning. And this is it. 35, verse 35, Jesus says, love your enemies. Do what is good and lend, expecting nothing in return kind of a recap of the earlier verses, and then your reward will be great and you will be children of the Most High for He is gracious and ungrate to the ungrateful and the evil. So 36, be merciful just as your Father is also merciful. 
Love those who don't love you back. Love those who are difficult to love. Imagine if you loved your enemy like your best friend. Oh, that would be so difficult. I, I will be so upfront and vulnerable and honest. I don't love any other human being as much as I love Mary. Okay? I don't. You guys are cool. You're awesome. I don't love you like I love her. Right? And I love you in the platonic sense. We're brothers and sisters in Christ. But I don't love you like I love her. We hadn't been through. You had, me and you hadn't been through what we've been through. Right? We've been best friends, or maybe she's just been tolerating me for about 24 years now. You and I don't have that. I don't have that with any other person. And it's hard to imagine loving anyone else, especially an enemy, someone that, who and I have fundamental disagreements with, and, and they don't really like me, and I'm not really fond of them. It's hard to imagine loving anyone else like I love her with the same amount of depth, because I would literally do anything for her, anything at all. But sometimes I don't want to do even the simplest thing for somebody that annoys me or somebody that has hurt me. I don't want to extend them good things like the benefit of the doubt. Oh, they said something a little controversial? Oh, well, they're obviously this type of person, right? Well, no, maybe they were just misquoted or misheard or you didn't hear the whole story. No, 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 no. They're a horrible person. And you know it and I already know it. Many people are saying this, right? No, they're human. They made a mistake. Give them the benefit of the doubt, right? Hear both sides of the story. And when I do those things, when I am able to put myself aside, focus on Christ and love other people like he loves them, he says that my reward is great. And I will be counted among those who are children of God. And the reward is eternal life, yes, but also a reward in the here and now. Not a prosperity gospel, right? But a, a living in peace with everyone, right? I, and, and this, again, speaks to me because I love pleasing people. I love peace. I love being at peace with others. I hate conflict. We have a sense of belonging in the here and now, fulfillment internally because we've been able to receive God's love as much as we're able to right now. And so the goal is to mirror God who is gracious to the grateful, or to, sorry, to the ungrateful and the evil. Be merciful as he is merciful. The last part of this passage is often controversial, has often been misused by Christians and non-Christians, and I'm not confident that I'm going to get it 100% right this morning, and I know that I don't exercise it correctly. But it's uh, verse 37, I believe, that says, basically says, do not judge. Okay, and I want you to, to listen to me as I read it. Here, I'm going to read it from a, a different translation this morning. This is the Amplified Translation. And what I like about the Amplified Translation, it often puts examples in brackets, right? Jesus says, do this. And they'll say, yeah, like this or this. You know, so I'm going to read it and just listen. I didn't put it up on the screen. So just listen this morning. Do not judge others self-righteously. That's the part in brackets. And you will not be judged. 
Do not condemn others when you are guilty and unrepentant, and you will not be condemned for your hypocrisy. You will not be condemned for your hypocrisy. Pardon others when they truly repent and change, and you will be pardoned when you truly repent and change. Jesus isn't saying that there are zero consequences. but He's referring to a common theme in the Gospels. Watch out for your own sinfulness before you start pointing out the sinfulness in other people. In Matthew 7, he calls it a speck and a log. How can you see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye, the little tiny thing, the eyelash, the piece of dust that's in their eye, the thing that they've done? Is it still wrong? Is it still bothering them? Yes, absolutely. But you have a two-by-four sticking out of your own eye. You have a massive log of your own that you have to deal with before you can even begin to point out what's wrong with other people. And when he's saying, do not judge, lest you be judged, he's saying, before you start to look externally to your enemies, but Jesus, they did this to me. They've done that. You don't know. He's like, yeah, of course I know. I was there the whole time. And if they cry out to me, I will forgive them. But you know, you've also got these other things going on that you need to deal with in your own life. And I'm going to forgive you of those as soon as you cry out to me. They're no different. They're, they need my mercy. They need Christ's mercy just as much as, as, as you do, as I do. So he's saying, don't, don't judge unreasonably. Remember, you have stuff going on too. And you deal with your stuff, and they'll deal with their stuff, and hopefully you can deal with it together. And he's saying, if you do this, verse 38, if you give, it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. I picture in my head, and I don't, I've not researched this to know if it's correct or not, but, you know, in the ancient world, spices were very um, expensive, Right? So I just picture someone like loading up a container of spice and, and tapping it right on a rock to settle it all down and then doing it again and tapping it and settling it all down. And at the end, what you end up with is this, this uh, measurement of material, this measurement of goodness that's that kind of rounded over, right? That's kind of a little heaped over. And then that's what you're given. So much so that the container can barely hold it all. And that's what you will get if you are able to live as Christ has asked us to. And again, not the prosperity gospel. We don't give so that we can gain material riches. But rather, as we are giving, because it's expected, as we are loving and merciful, we will start to receive the riches of understanding and being able to receive the great love and the great mercy that God has for us. And you might get more stuff. I'm not saying you never will. There's certainly nothing wrong with having things, with being prosperous, as long as we have the right attitude about it, and we are generous with it and realizing where it all came from and who who was responsible for it in the first place. We may not receive more stuff, but we will be more content with the stuff that we have.
We may not become more popular or build a large following on social media, but we will see people more like God does. And our first inclination will be to do good to them because you know that he loves them and he wants the best for them. As we become more like our father in action, we become a little more like him in character. And that's kind of the ultimate goal. Now, we all need to practice this in our lives, this being merciful, being generous, withholding judgment, being fair and honest. We all have the same issues. We all struggle with sin in the same way, just to varying degrees, right? You may be the the most non-argumentative person ever, but you still do it sometimes. You may be the most honest person ever, but you still bend the truth a little bit sometimes. And then there are some others that, that can't never, that can't not tell lies, right? We all struggle just a matter of how much, right? Some of us are struggling at 98% with some sin. And some of us are struggling at 5% with that same sin, right? We all have the same thing. We all need to adjust. Every time we read the Bible, every time we read the Word, He's always calling us to make adjustments. For some of us, we may need to make a 180-degree adjustment, And some of us just may need to correct course a couple of degrees, right? We're doing pretty good, but we could always do better. And so this week, let's pray for God to help us to see others more like he sees them. Especially those who have wronged you in the past. Those who are maybe just difficult or annoying. It's not easy, and we need his help to do it. But thankfully, that's exactly what he wants. He wants to help us, right? He wants to give us the power and the strength to do what we are unable to do. He told Paul that his strength is made perfect in our weakness. It's when we realize that we can't do it, when we realize, God, I'm not able to face this thing that you're asking me to do. And so he says, don't worry about it. I will. I will help you through it. So this week, as you're going out and about, as you're doing work, as you're going to Walmart, as you are, whatever you're doing, interacting online with folks, be merciful. Be willing to give people the benefit of the doubt. Don't judge people. And I'm praying for that with my own kids, right? Because sometimes I think, oh, well, you just are trying to do the worst. And maybe they're not. Maybe they just made an honest mistake. I need to do that more. And I'm sure we all have people in areas that we need to work on that. So this week, let us pray that we will, um, that we will, that God will help us to do the impossible. I'm not able to be merciful like he is, but I need his mercy more than ever. I'm not able to be forgiving like he is, but I need his forgiveness every single day. I'm not able to love like he is, but thank goodness I already have access to all of his love. And he wants me to put it into action. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your love, your mercy. Thank you for Jesus who was willing to die on the cross to show us the ultimate ultimate act of that love and that mercy. And thank you that he rose again from the grave so that we could have forgiveness of our sins, that we could have a relationship with our creator, that we could know you intimately and personally. Father, I pray that you would uh, help us this week 
to show that love, that mercy, put it into action. Give us strength to do it when we're unable to, which is most of the time. And I pray that your love would be made evident in our lives and to those around us. Thank you for everything you've done. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.